DJ Got Game, and this is my new track. Hello, and welcome back to episode two of It's Actually Good, the podcast where Nick, Will, and myself, your host, Alex Goldberg, talk about our fantasy football league, as well as all of the other weird things that are happening in our lives. Again, a reminder, you know, this is something we try to stress every episode. Uh, If you're not part of our fantasy football league or happen to be caught in the orbit of our lives, we don't understand what you're doing here. And we really think that you should leave. It's your choice. You can stay. I won't stop you. But this is really not a place that you're going to enjoy. And I don't know why you're here in the first place. Anyway, uh, Nick, Will, fellas, how are we doing? Start with you, Will. Guys, I'm having a great weekend so far. Went to a wonderful wedding with some, some friends. A wedding with friends. Uh, I, um, my, my body is currently... So, so I, I just ate a leftover Denny's Lumberjack breakfast burrito, and my body is currently rejecting it like a bad kidney match. Um, wow. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna buckle. We're going to knuckle down. We're going to get this done. We're going to have a great week of fantasy football and a great week of podcasting um, before i give nick a chance to introduce himself will you were mentioning just off air uh that you you believe the only ethical profession is becoming an eco-terrorist and you and your wife are planning on doing something to that effect could you explain more about that i don't first of all i i think that you have misunderstood what i said no, uh, how could that leaving aside eco terrorist uh-huh. thing for a moment, Ari and I, Ari, my wife, member of this league, my wife, Ari is making a seed bomb. Ari, can you? So sorry, just just to be clear, you're making a seed bomb, and you are telling me that you are not engaged in eco terrorism. Can I ask something? Yeah. Your can wife. You my wife. Okay. My wife. Okay. So it's basically, so Ari is now going to try to speak into my AirPods. Uh, again, so this is supposed to be the episode where we get our audio together. And I don't know if that's happening, but uh, Ari, please explain to the. No idea uh, whose fault that is. The fans, the fans of the podcast, all zero of them. Um, what is a seed bomb? Okay. Can everyone hear me? Mm, yes okay so basically you take some tissue paper preferably old used tissue paper you're going to throw out anyway and then use not used tissue paper not snot covered tissue paper no not sopping (laughs) like gift wrapping tissue paper that you have re-gifted or whatever or someone gave you and you're not going to use it anymore and then you blend it up with water and this makes kind of like a paper pulp then you squeeze all the water out of it i was right cloth and then you add some wildflower seeds that will attract pollinators you put that in there you scrunch it into a little ball let it dry for 24 hours and you basically have homemade seed paper that you can like throw uh into an empty dirt lot and like wildflowers will pop up yeah, or maybe the Line 3 pipeline, you know, I don't know, throw it in yeah. there. Also, Ari, uh, what is, who is your streaming defense of the week? Uh, Jared Cook. Okay, no, thank you. that's not right. That's my tight end. 
yeah, if you had to pick it, but in a much defense, realer way. Um, I have the Ravens. That's all I know, bro. All right, okay. As her streamer of the week, fade Ravens rostered in almost every league. Um, actually, Ari, you really need to not start the Ravens this week. That's important. You should be changing that right now. They're going against the Chiefs. Yeah, you got to switch your you got to switch your defense. Collusion. You heard it here live, folks. It's, it's I'm not allowed to tell to remind Ari. Your wife could not. My wife. What's the point of having? That's part of the benefits of being married. He's giving lighthearted. Is advice going vizier mode. I'm not. Look. J'accuse, sir. Am I? Am I in vizier mode? Yes. Yes. Yep. Do I? Is that any reason to look? So, so to be clear, you're not dodging it. You're owning no. vizier mode. So I, I just, listen. yeah, I have to step in and say that you know the implication of vizier mode is actually also that um, Will is not planning on winning the league, but rather being the power behind the throne that does win the league. Cheney-esque. Just, no, just throwing that in there. I, she's, I'm allowed to give her a nudge when she is not paying attention. She is making all the decisions with, uh, by herself. I, she's busy making seed bombs, as you can hear her angrily saying. Uh, I did hear that, yes. To the FBI, please do not listen to this podcast and if you do everything that we are saying in here is a joke. Again. Thank you for that. Nothing couldn't possibly be less bad <laughs> or we should say it's a football podcast. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We're just gonna you wanna you wanna skip over you've given your life update. You just wanna skip skip no. right to the football now. Folks, I was I no. was attempting to sorry just the, get that the lumberjack burrito is getting to me. Man. I apologize. It's hijacking my immune system. Well, as as the only experience podcaster Get those T-cells right, buddy. As the only nationally syndicated podcaster here, we're getting off to a great start. And so uh, on that note, this is going to be a super not clunky segue into what Nick has been up to this whole time. Wow, what a flex. Anyway, thank you. I just returned from a week in Montana and Wyoming, traveling to various rivers and national parks and engaging in an ablution of the soul in which a computer was not used, nor an iPad, nor a Kindle. A paper book was held, opened perhaps, but held. It was quite the journey. I arrived in the Dallas airport, having beaten Hades for the first time, Will, on the airplane with no sound, where it was completely inappropriate to celebrate. So I, uh, I jerked back and forth and uh, and considered telling Sarah, but then wondered how it would look to be a 29-year-old man holding a brightly colored plastic mobile gaming device and nudging my ostensible wife and telling her about a gaming victory. <laughs> and I collapsed in on myself like a dying star. And uh, that's good. That really was um, not the best way for me to beat that game for the first time, I don't think. But it felt great, right? It felt so good, but then, you know, I had like this post-coital shame wash over me yeah. because of the public yeah. setting. 
it, you never want to achieve an epic win in public because it's really, it is so o face adjacent. It's it's really quite upsetting for the general public. You so I you got onto like the mile idiot. high. You got into the mile high club. It sounds like it. Jesus, a spiritual nut. Yes. <laughs> what was okay? Quick, quick question that uh, will appeal to even fewer, a vanishingly small amount of this league. What was your build, my man? So it was pretty Demeter heavy. I oh, used a yeah. lot of chill. And I also had some help from Artemis. So it's just getting a lot of chip damage. And then I was uh, evading a lot. Oh, no. They've got a pretty great duo well. Yeah. Yeah. It was so I, I was using the gloves. I punched my mm. way out for the first time. He punched his uh, way out of Hades. Yeah. The, uh, the Daedalus hammer that speeds up your fists is quite a formidable build. Kind of a yeah. glass cannon. But if you get enough centaur hearts early in the run, you can definitely make it out especially if you get to uh, Patroclus and refresh your, your death defiances. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was yeah. able to do that. So Patroclus I just, yeah. is, a, uh, is a bro. You got to hook him up with his man. Achilles. Achilles. Yeah, true. Yeah. Those guys are so, pretty close bros. I don't know anything yeah. about Hades, but I do know about Greek mythology. Just classically, classically close male friends. Yep. That's, that's what they are. Cousins, Cousins as well. But but really yeah. more just that's something really that we don't talk friends. about. Yeah, just really chill, fun guys that enjoy each other's company. Really, a um, huge a huge missed opportunity by the movie Troy. Brad Pitt there. I don't know. Yeah, true. But then you eventually did land, Nick. I landed in the airport. Dallas airport. That's correct. In the Dallas airport, midday for a multi-hour layover, and what we opted to do was have lunch. Now, there were a few locations. There was a salad place. There was an outpost of the Salt Lick, which you may have heard of. That's a sort of famous barbecue joint in Texas. That's where I wanted to go. But Sarah was not so down for a heavy barbecue meal and then getting on a plane, which that's completely fair and shows uh, a modicum of impulse More control. More like hot snakes on a plane, am I right? You're, you're so right. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So we ultimately decided, let's go to the Dallas airport Fridays. No longer TGI no. Fridays, simply Fridays. Really a state on, on, on the industry and the experience itself. We're no longer thanking God that it is Friday. It's like, yeah, it's Friday. Well, is it just, well, hold on. <laughs> is it just a different situation where Fridays, it's like there's Chili's too, is like the Chili's airport imprint. Is it an issue of a different mm. branding in the airport or that now all TGI Fridays are Fridays? I think it is a universal rebrand. Wow. But that Duncan. is a decent question. The Duncan of TGI Fridays. But you, you are right to question whether the airport location played a role in the quality of our experience, which I think oh, it no. absolutely did. Because I know Fridays as a hub for appetizers, right? Weren't they a pioneer of the appetizer game? You know, you get fun apps and some drinks, and that's what you're supposed to do. That's how American I approach this meal. American tapas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get away yeah. from me. Because we ordered the whiskey glazed sesame chicken strips. And here's one of my major Mistake. concerns. Mistake, you're right. The worst thing 
I have ever been served. Absolutely demented. The whiskey, half the menu is soaked in whiskey. We could see through the slat into the open kitchen. This guy is just dousing Maker's Mark on top of wow. three, like frozen chicken breast, you know, that's got a coating and it's just like, like getting flamed and flambéed. I would have it thought like Jim Beam. Maker's is, Maker's is actually like a reasonably decent whiskey. That's crazy to me. <laughs> but it was a craven waste because <laughs> it was a pairing of a quality whiskey with just bargain basement Sodexo food. So mm. the, the sesame chicken strips, awful, truly inedible. Just a, a sauce that was so discordant and confusing. Uh, the, we also get the fried green beans with wasabi ranch. That was the best thing that we got by far, honestly. And I still did not enjoy it because it was so evident the way it had been dumped out of a plastic bag into a flash fryer. And then finally, we got the spinach and artichoke dip, which contained, let me tell you, zero spinach and zero artichoke. It was great. a amorphous mixture of cheeses, just a soup with a few chunks of bell pepper in it for some reason and semi-stale tortilla chips. Oh my God. It was horrifying. (laughs) I picked at it like a bird and just like frowned at Sarah and she frowned at me. And I took a picture of this meal and I've sent it to you guys. And you saw, Will, the other clientele, you happened to spotlight one gentleman who really... I thought was emblematic of the Friday's experience. <laughs> posted in the chat. Well, we can post his face as a react because you know I'm hoping that somebody is going to be looking. You know, maybe Ari this week is going to be looking like that dude at the end of Sunday night. Uh, Nick, I think yeah. you should go a step further and maybe you know, as our editor in chief, consider that as the title card for this episode or the the main <laughs> backing image, if you will. The main backing image. Yeah. Whatever. It's um, sorry, I'm just being an asshole for no reason. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, look, the idea that you would go to a Friday's in a in an airport. If I'm sitting down at an airport, here's my here's my thing. It needs to have at a sit down restaurant. It needs to have a chef's name attached to it that he will be he or she will be embarrassed that the food is so bad for mm. me to sit down at a restaurant. Wolfgang Puck. Uh, so it's like, like for example, Wolfgang Puck. The food is not amazing, but it at least ensures that my guy Wolfgang is like, we can't serve them dog shit trash in the same way that we can do it. First of all, I, I don't get this whole thing where it's like half of the half of the menu at at, at like fucking Applebee's is the Jim Beam Jack and Coke. Like yeah. Jack and Coke wings. Like I don't, I don't want whiskey in my food. I don't want and whiskey bacon. in my glass. Well, speaking of whiskey yeah, and bacon, like, last night, uh, just just a that's pretty epic. In a fugue state after a four-hour band practice or some such thing, uh, I decided to end my own life. I'm amazed that I'm still here with a uh, like Wendy's double baconator smokehouse whiskey based thing. So this is giving me flashbacks to very much what what happened there. And I have to say, you know, I think the Wendy's execution on this was not 
too wretched. I mean, I felt extremely bad after eating it as I anticipated that I would. But in the moment, it did actually work out because the thing is that Wendy's really kept it simple. They were just like, yeah, there's technically whiskey in this, but it's really just brown sugar. And that was fine. So <laughs> a bit more of yeah. uh, my uh, trip experience. Please. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's move off of this topic because we, we could be here for hours. So Missoula, Montana is a well-renowned fishing destination for fly fishermen. Uh, it's featured in uh, the movie and book A River Runs Through It, which uh, people loved in the early 2000s. And it's at like 3,200 feet elevation. So our first day in Missoula, I spent the day on the water fishing and Sarah, my girlfriend, my lovely girlfriend, Sarah, she was walking around town trying a couple beers at a local brewery. And, you know, we get, the, we get together that night and we have some wine with dinner. And then, you know, we're puttering around the room. We go to bed pretty early around 10, 1030. And anyway, around 1 a.m., she comes out of the hotel bathroom and says in a terrified and wavering voice, Nick. And as I stir awake and process her speech and her presence in the doorway, there's a, there's sways, a lot of terrible places this can go. She sways and drops to the floor like a sack of no. Bread. I screamed, oh, my God, and leapt out of bed. God damn. What the fuck? Rushed over to her and started checking her breathing and pulse and asking if she can hear me and telling her to flip over if she can. After a couple seconds, she flips over. I check her head for, you know, any visible trauma. She opens her eyes. The recovery position? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's soaked with sweat. And as she comes to, she processes what happened and is obviously understandably scared. I call my dad, who's staying in the other room, and miraculously, he picks up. And I explain what happened. We talk through what could have caused it. But ultimately, he recommends that we go to the ER to get Sarah checked out in a real way. Not, quote, not quote over the phone by a retired Jewish psychiatrist. <laughs> Shout out to Steve. So, tried your best. A king. He says, "Be prepared to be there all night." Yep. It gets cold overnight in Montana, and at this point, Sarah and I are both just exhausted, and we want to go. The to Cormac sleep. McCarthy story. We're coming down from the adrenaline high of thinking something was acutely wrong. But we know it's not smart, given how hard she fell and the possibility of a concussion or something more serious going on that could recur again later that night. So we'll up and we get in the hotel shuttle, which somebody, you know, somebody at the desk calls it for us. And we're going to St. Patrick Hospital, which is three or four blocks away, but Montana blocks, which are gigantic. And we're in the back of the hotel shuttle. And the guy is like, wait, why are you going to the hospital? And we were, is this a medical issue? And we were like, yes, that's why we're going to the hospital. And he slams on the brakes at the edge of the hotel property and says, I just drive people to the airport. And says it's a liability issue for him to take us. And after we pause a beat and say, okay, well, can you at least take us back to the hotel, please? So he drives us back and we have to call an Uber. And 
this is about 1.30 in the morning in Montana. Mm. And miraculously, we call an Uber and somebody answers it basically right away. And Uber in Montana is in miles, not minutes. Yeah. So, so it says 19 miles away. Oh, he's close. <laughs> so we get picked up, you know, thank goodness for lax labor laws and uh, contract employment agreements, because he has no problem taking us to the hospital for a medical issue uh, as a right. driver for Uber. And on the way, the guy mentions that the train tracks that we're passing are, quote, filled with homeless people. Mm. <laughs> Great. Um, you know, obviously, unhoused people without homes, the perfect terminology. Uh, but that's what he said. <laughs> and he offers to wait for us at the ER. But we explain that it could be all night. Uh, and he says, oh, <laughs> and he leaves. So we go into the hospital and the ER he was staff, just being nice. thankfully. Yeah, he was being nice. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. But we had to turn him down. Yeah. Thankfully, the ER staff are all nice. And like the nurses uh, and the doc are all extremely competent and kind. And they make Sarah feel comfortable. They do an EKG and it comes back normal, a normal sinus rhythm for her heart. And uh, it's beating about 110 at rest, which is high, but um, probably just That's a result just of her anxiety. Freaking out. Yeah. Right. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, EKG guy where you go and they get the EKG and they're like, what's going on, man? You seem stressed out. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean, she's had a couple of these sort of uh, fainting incidents, mostly with related to like giving blood and stuff, but so they see us and thankfully the ER is not that busy and we're back in the lobby and the guy at the front desk calls us a cab with a service that's 24 seven and gets us back, you know, some, a drive back to our hotel. And he's just super kind about it. And somehow we're back in our hotel room by three 30 in the morning mm. and we get mm. up and go fishing at 8 AM the next day. And we're out on the water all day and we both catch mm. fish. Nice. Well done. Okay. And so there was no, yeah, the doctor thinks it was was just a simple vasovagal syncope event is what they call it. And just recommends eating frequently, hydrating frequently and getting reliable sleep because some people are just a little bit more susceptible to these sort of autonomic disruptions where if you know, you get really low blood sugar yeah, or that really dehydrated because at altitude in this incredibly dry climate, your sweat gets wicked away and you don't even realize how much you are sweating because your clothes remain dry. So you're losing electrolytes. And I think that just paired with a few drinks when she normally just has like one drink and calls it quits for the night really just did her in. So, you know, they checked her heart and there was no swelling in her legs. They said, you know, maybe it's some sort of heritable dysautonomia, but that's a less likely thing than just. Is uh, that why you renamed your team you know, they, heritable dysautonomia this week? Lot. <laughs> this does happen to me every now and then. So I, I definitely empathize with Sarah. It's you scary. Uh, I have a couple of times. There was one notable time in which I fainted on the train going to work when I lived in the worst apartment of my life with one Nicholas Marin. It happens every now and then. Yes. 
Uh, and it feels really scary in the moment, but every time that it's happened to me, the same thing has been told to me, which is you should probably eat more and drink more water and generally take better care of yourself, you sack of shit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> um, you get dumbed well, by daddy scary. doctor. Exactly. <laughs> no, thank well, you for j- expressing scary. genuine sympathies, Will. She's feeling better and is just, you know, going to be more cognizant of this going forward. Mm. Well, yeah. Anyway, DeAndre Swift's injury. Really- <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Great transition. We should actually talk yeah. about football. Uh, Nick, are there any other Montana, Wyoming things you want to wrap up before we jump into this? I could do a full hour on the whole trip. So I'll spare you that. I have more funny stories, but maybe I'll just tell a couple of them at the end of the podcast because I think we are rapidly losing market share. It's true. Yeah, yes. this is a tough place to be. All right. Well, let's talk about football. Uh, thank you to Will for sparking this uh, drive to get there. And uh, we're going to do a seamless transition right now. So the big news, we should start. There's a bunch of news to get to. But the big news as far as our league goes is that we have our first trade off the books. Uh, and it's between the other two hosts of this show. So Nick, Will. Yeah, nah, nah. No, no, no. Let's uh, let's go into this. What are we working with as far as this trade? And then uh, I will cast judgment based on based on that. Well, it was a um, pretty straight up trade: wide receiver and running back for wide receiver and running back. After our talk and after you know looking at my roster, I, I just wasn't really happy with my wide receiving core, especially on the top end. I didn't like Deontay as my number two wide receiver, and I uh, decided to do something about it by leveraging my, what I thought was running back depth into a, a trade for more uh, a wide receiver two that I felt better about. So the trade um, on my end was Deontay Johnson and Mike Davis. And in return, I got DJ Moore and Trey Sermon. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, so it's, it's tough to speak about this trade objectively, of course. We'll get into why in just a moment. But Nick, uh, I want to get your thoughts. Why, what was the motivation? Why did you make this trade? Well, as we know, Gus Edwards went down with a torn ACL without playing a snap, just like J.K. Dobbins. So I needed to replace my RB2 since I did not have much running back depth to speak of. But interestingly... I think since this trade occurred, both running back assets have degraded in quality a little bit. A lot right? of it. A good bit. Sermon yes. was regarded as a blue chip sort of dark horse guy who would probably split time with Mostert. Now Mostert is most hurt. He's out <laughs> for the full year. And Elijah Mitchell has taken on the lion's share of the touches in San Francisco, at least for the time being. I hear from Kyle Shanahan personally, since I'm very well connected and a huge liar like Ryan Rosillo shouts, but you know, Sermon for the time being has not really seen the field and Mike Davis, the running back that I received ostensibly to fill my RB2 slot is definitely riding the bench this week. I think because the Tampa Bay defense, they only allowed about 60 yards to Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys last week on the ground. And I'm not sure that the Falcons are going to have the offensive line talent to resist the rush. So he's going to ride the pine and the DeAndre Swift thigh injury is causing me right now to elevate Jamal Williams into the starting lineup. Mm. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm now ready to jump in with my thoughts on this trade. You both have laid out your reasons as well as some of the impact this trade has already had. And given what you have both said, particularly with regard to the uncertain status of Sermon in the Niners' backfield and the fact that Mike Davis plays for the Atlanta Falcons, who are just a very bad football team. Given that Moore and Deontay, I kind of view them as roughly the same tier of receiver, and both of these running backs are question marks. For me, this trade is a wash. I don't think that there is a clear winner, and it sounds like kind of a cop-out, but I think we just need to see a few more weeks before we're ready to really look back and see how this trade goes. I think Nick and I both value DJ Moore above Deontay. I yeah. think his role is clearer. I think he's going to get more targets. The only issue is the touchdowns, but, you know, new quarterback. So I, uh, obviously, I wouldn't have done the trade. I, well, first of all, I think it was, even at the time, it was a mutually beneficial trade. It helped us both in positions that we needed. But, mm-hmm. look, Trey Sermon could be the guy. Who knows? Kyle Shanahan's a fucking huge asshole. That's true. And he could very easily make somebody spend $70 of fab on Elijah Mitchell and then bench him for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of his thing. He's a flighty bitch. And so I feel, I feel good about it. Nick, do you still feel good about it? Would you do the trade again, knowing what you know I think now? I, I think I would do it again. I am concerned if Mike Davis and the, if the Falcons are truly putrid and Mike Mm. Davis is not able to get anything going behind that line, then I could feel kind of bad about it, but I felt like I had a lot of depth at wide receiver and I could, you know, DJ Moore was my third wide out. And now Deontay is my third wide out. He's flexing for me and I feel okay about that still. So I may have given away some real value, but if I did, I think I got back still depth and decent players who are going to be involved in their team scheme. So I don't feel terrible about it. Mm. All right. Well, we should probably move on from that. So speaking of Trey Sermon, obviously we did mention there were some injuries this week. Uh, Mostert is most hurt and he has an MCL sprain. He's projected to be out about two to eight weeks. Uh, Jerry Judy, a promising young wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, has a high ankle sprain. so good. Yeah, he was, and was really going to be like the feature guy for this Denver offense in a lot of ways. He's now out four weeks, and uh, we'll see. High ankle sprains are a little tricky, but, you know, there's definitely possibility that he could be back. Well, who 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 has him in this league? Good question. Who does have Judy in this league? I'm looking he's, it up. He's worth, worth keeping on the IR slot. I think he's yeah. going to be somebody. Oh, my, my opponent for this week, Cole Teresini, has Jerry Judy this week, or th- in this league. His receiving core is pretty strong without him. I think he'll be okay, but mm. worth mentioning. Let's see what else. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Ryan Fitzmagic, a.k.a. one of the most entertaining quarterbacks that I think has ever played in the league for a wide variety of reasons, has a hip subluxation and partial dislocation that could potentially be season-ending if his labor is damaged and is eerily similar to the Isaiah Thomas hip injury. Obviously not in the same degenerative mm. fashion, we hope, but it's it's similar stuff. So 
If you have Ryan Fitzpatrick for fantasy, which I would be shocked if any of you did, but uh, if you do, you might want to cut bait there because that is not good news. What it does mean is Heineke? that Taylor Heineke might just be the man in Washington, at least until further notice. Terry McLaurin is so good. Terry McLaurin is good. I have him in one of my other leagues, and he and Heineke seem yeah. to have a good connection. So. Uh, that might be a thing for Washington in the NFC East. Which yeah, is... there were, there was a lot of thoughts that you would downgrade McLaurin kind of in yeah. the wake of this. I don't think so. I think, I think if anything, it's be... the opposite. Yeah, I think he's going to be the safety blanket every week for mm-hmm. for Heineke. And he's and he's so good that he'll be open. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, Michael Gallup has a calf strain. He's going to be out three to six weeks. Obviously, Dallas has some receiving talent with Amari Cooper and now uh, C.D. Lamb, who seems to be good. So we'll we'll see how that impacts things. C.D. Lamb, yes. that's something. So let's we we have some stuff in here. Uh, let's start off with this week one overreaction. So week one in the NFL is past. Week two in the NFL is starting in fifteen minutes or so. Uh, and you know, as per kind of week one traditions, it tends to be the case that people have really kind of scorching hot takes on how the league is going to shake out based on week one that almost never come true because week one is week one and a lot of shit happens between now and the end of the NFL season. (laughs) So uh, let's start off with some week one scorching takes and I'm going to defer to you guys, Patriot fans, on your first week one overreaction take. How do we feel about the Mac Jones experience so far? I like Mac. Yeah. Um, It is. I think Mac Jones is the, uh, I mean, look, he's good at football. What what do you want from me? Like, you can only really play that well at Alabama, which is basically a professional team, running a professional offense, you know, needing to have the kind of, it's going to sound so stupid, like, you know, work ethic and, and same, like, preparation level as a professional. If you're good, I mean, he's got the, this is, I'm not surprised at all. And I think that he is a good quarterback. He's going to be a good quarterback. He's not going to be like a top five guy ever, probably. Cause he just doesn't have the, he doesn't have a crazy good arm. No, he doesn't move around the pocket. Amazing or out of the pocket. But I think that for the New England offense, when you're throwing, you know, five to 15 yard passes, He's got the skill set and the game management skills necessary to get the job done. Nick, could the Pats win the AFC East? We'll see what we think yeah. later in this episode. Okay, or we'll find out right now when Will says, "Yeah, <laughs> they, they could." I mean, they could. Yeah, as of right now, let's see. The standings are that I believe the Dolphins are in the lead in the division. They are one and zero, having beaten the Patriots last week on some very poor late game execution from the Pats. Bins, baby, by Damian, by by Damian Harris, um, the running back that I drafted and trusted to be my second back, and am now <laughs> uh, sad about. Uh, well, you should. The only the only thing that you have to worry about is if he gets benched for fumbling. Yeah, which what? is something that uh, speaking of Nick is worried about for because he just dropped Ramondre Stevenson. That's right. We'll see. I got him in both leagues, not just because of the fumble, but because 
he let Mac Jones get absolutely blown up in pass coverage. And I think that's what actually got him benched, not just the fumble, but like the, the compounding errors. So he might get Jonas grayed. That's my fear. Mm. Oh, Jonas grayed out. Without even, without even <laughs> doing anything. So we should also talk about the presumptive favorite heading into this season for the AFC East. Last year's champs, the Buffalo Bills, led by quarterback Josh Allen, who has typically been pretty dominant fantasy QB for the past, I would say, two, maybe even two and a half seasons. How are we feeling about Josh Allen after week one, fellas? Well, he's a classic regression candidate, right? Look, I think that the Steelers are good. They have a good defense. It's the first week. You don't want to overreact, obviously, but you, you definitely look. Do you feel good about having drafted Josh Allen when you could have waited around for two rounds and gotten Dak or maybe even Kyler? I don't know if you can get Kyler around later than Josh Allen, but like I'm, I'm worried that he's not going to be worth the ADP, mm-hmm. especially with how flat it is at the top of uh, the quarterback position right now. Just for some context, last year I had Josh Allen on my fantasy team, and I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed that experience. He was one of my best fantasy players. But Josh Allen is, despite overall having been pretty good, he's kind of a boom-bust guy. So I think you do have to consider the possibility that week one Josh Allen might not be the representative sample of what Josh Allen's season looks like because when Josh Allen busts, he busts pretty hard. So <laughs> <laughs> How dare what? you? That was forced and I loved it. Okay. No, no, it wasn't. Totally unearned. Uh, um, but now this is a very relevant yeah. question for our league because Coltrane did it, did it, did it, did he is the owner of Josh Allen and his team is one and zero, and actually had the highest score in week one. So if he does sort of right the ship and become the Josh Allen of last year, then Cole could be a real power player this year. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to freak out over week one, right? Yeah. In any direction. I mean, did he, did he have Steve Samuel on his team? Uh... Is that why? No, he's got um, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson, which is a pretty serious core. And he's got Saquon Barkley on his bench right now. So it's it's potentially a very good team. Uh, Obviously, banking a lot on. Man, tough call benching Saquon. The right call, though. Yeah. A Saquon from Grace. It it seems like, just speaking on Coltrane for a second, my opponent – He's got Leonard Fournette currently in his starting lineup. Fournette appears to be now officially the number one back in Tampa. So I think that might work out for him. The wasn't round. there just a but didn't there was earlier this week they said Ronald Jones was a starter. Did that change? I think it might be that Ronald Jones starts still, but I think Fournette, just based on the way that he operates in the Brady offense, is gonna have more value going forward. Man, I don't know. We'll see. I think I think Giovanni Bernard is going to be getting those getting those like slip screen snaps as he gets back. into the offense more. Yeah, you know, Cornette had like four or five targets last week, and we'll I see. don't see that ever happening again. I mean, I hope you're right for my sake this week. That would be great. Hmm. 
You know, with, with the Bucks, it's so hard because Brady just really does love to spread it around to everybody. So you really never know. With Godwin, you probably know, but like Brady be... loves to spread it. Yeah. Josh Allen busts hard. It's true. Speaking of week one overreactions, it's time for my turn on the overreaction portion because my beloved Tennessee Titans, who have I have a, a, a deeply masochistic relationship with, uh, they they busted pretty hard in week one. Chandler Jones terrorized the offensive line and they gave up four sacks. Uh, they, the Cardinals defensive line completely <laughs> shut down Derrick Henry, the star running back for the Titans and their primary hope for doing anything ever. And the defense, the much uh, ballyhooed defense that the Titans said all offseason long, we finally improved this defense. We finally have some good secondary players who can pick up the slack after a wretched performance last year got absolutely shelled by uh, Kyler Murray, who looked like he was playing fifth grade backyard football and he was the best player by leaps and bounds. He looked like a sixth grader playing with fifth graders in the backyard. So I watched nearly all of this game. By the third quarter, I realized what was happening and kind of gave up and started to not care about it. It was not pretty to say the least. The big thing that stood out for me, for my beloved Titans, is that they can't block for shit, which is really not great given that they've sunk about four first round draft picks and a zillion dollars into their offensive line. And it was supposed to be a strong point for them this season. They looked completely- well, Classically classically good guy, Taylor Lewan is currently out, right? I, I think he was benched actually last week. He did oh, not- no. He did not look healthy or ready to play at all. Of course, he's coming off of an ACL injury from last year. So it's entirely possible that Taylor is just not physically up to speed at this point. But it didn't really matter who was on the line because Chandler Jones just kind of pushed them around completely. You know, the Titans last year won the AFC South in large part due to having an explosive offense, Ryan Tannehill really kind of found himself as a quarterback and was able to establish a strong connection with A.J. Brown, who's on my fantasy team. And that that turned into a really powerful offense. And this year, and, and they got by despite having a mediocre defense all year because of that. This year, you know, Tannehill is trying his best, but if he's going to be getting sacked every possession, it's going to be really hard for the Titans to do much of anything. And then that really all comes back to the core of the Titans team identity, which is that Derrick Henry did not look very good last week. I don't know how much Mm. of that is Derrick Henry. I don't know how much of that is the offensive line, but if Derrick Henry stuffed at the goal line twice, twice. And if Derrick Henry is not going to be as good as he has been for these past few seasons, this Titans offense is in a lot of trouble. And subsequently, the team so, yeah, is in so a lot of trouble. This has pretty wide-ranging fantasy implications as well. It's true. Like you look at Derrick Henry, top five pick, Tannehill considered QB one, a, a or a QB one, mm-hmm. like a safe option to have as your best quarterback, and AJ Brown, a receiver that you would have to take in the first three rounds, right? Yep, and so uh, that like, I did. And even Julio, who people are, I, I've seen Julio dropped in other leagues. Yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous. We'll see. I mean, so here's—I don't think here's, that's wise. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's wise either. And here's here's what I will say: is that 
if being a Titans fan has taught me one thing over the course of these past few years in the Mike Vrabel era, really, it's that the Titans are incredible at starting the season off really poorly. They have a gift for this. They started off last year, two and three, and looked pretty wash and mediocre at times. You know, they started off the season before that pretty poorly with Marcus Mariota as the quarterback and then benched him for Tannehill. The Titans are extremely good at starting the season off poorly and then resurrecting like a Phoenix sometime around week six or seven. If they can't block, that's not going to happen. But as far as fantasy implications go, you do want to consider that with the Titans, it might be a kind of thing where if you have a Titans player, you might want to stay away from them until they prove it, but I'm not sure you want to bench them or get cut bait entirely because if this offense does work, if the like the, the theory of this offense is very sound and if it does come together, especially given that they are playing in a Garbo division, I do think there's a chance for the Titans to rise from the ashes. But terrible division. It, terrible. It, oh, it's really bad. But it might be a it might be a long process with Tennessee, as uh, an experienced Titans fan will tell you. I hope for your sake that they get it together, man. It would be nice. I mean, I, right now I'm fully ready to embrace the doom and like fire Mike Vrabel and cut Ryan Tannehill and get a first round pick. But uh, oh, wait, we'll I, I have a question about about Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Is Mike Vrabel the most thirsted after man in the state of Tennessee, do you think? That's a really good question. I would have to say that that title has been held by Keith Urban for a really long time, and uh, I don't think that it's going to be going anywhere. He's Mike daddy, Vrabel's, he has daddy vibes. Yeah, Mike Vrabel's definitely, you know, he, he's got a daddy vibe. He's got a daddy element to him. Although the issue with Mike Vrabel is, of course, that he's just he's openly said that he's willing to castrate himself if it gets the Titans to the Super Bowl. So. That, that might affect his daddy vibes. That's a real thing, by the way. You can look that up. Mike Vrabel said that he he's willing to cut off his own dick if it means getting him to the Super Bowl. Alex, well, can I ask um, you about another player who disappointed in week one? Go for it. Kyle Pitts. Yeah. So 31 I, yards in week one. You mad, sad, utterly at peace? So Kyle Pitts, obviously the much ballyhooed tight end uh, in Atlanta, drafted with the fourth overall pick. A lot of people expected big things from Kyle Pitts. I took a big swing on him at my tight end position because I was afraid that I was not going to have a top four tight end and he has top four upside if the draft people are to be believed. Obviously, what round did you take him? Uh, I believe I took him in the fourth or fifth round, one of the two, but I had back-to-back picks, so... So with Kyle Pitts, yeah, obviously a disappointing start. I am not quite ready to give up on him yet. It is too early. I will say the thing that scares me the most as a Kyle Pitts owner is that um, I did do something stupid, which is I forgot that uh, Matt Ryan is the quarterback for the Atlanta Hawks. And ever since Tom Brady sucked his soul out and spit it onto the ground and then stomped on it in the Super Bowl, the fifth Mm -hmm. Super Bowl for the Patriots that Tom Brady won. Uh, Matt Ryan has been a husk of a man. I have been banging the fade Matt Ryan drum for some time now. I believe that Matt Ryan is in a really grim place mentally. I I just don't, (laughs) I don't know that that dude is doing very well uh, from an emotional health standpoint. And, you know, as a teacher, it's very important to kind of 
uh, learn kind of subtle signs of when people's emotional health is, is in crisis. Is, is there are issues at home for Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan, I think, is a, a guy who might be in a little bit of an emotional crisis right now. I watched a, a small portion of that Atlanta Hawks game, and he he just looked like a man. He, he Sorry. Yes, Falcons, Hawks, right. The same. Similar, no, they're not. Trey yeah. Young is actually more animating. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Matt Ryan, to me, looked like a guy who was staring into the void of space and time itself and realizing his tiny microscopic place in the universe throughout that game. So I am a little worried about Kyle Pitts for that reason. I do think I started Matt Ryan in my other league and he got me seven points and I have now dropped him. And I have a QB conundrum that I'd like you guys to weigh in on at some point. I, I need some advice. Sure. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Just to kind of leave the Kyle Pitts point behind. I'm not ready to give up on Kyle Pitts. I do think that he still has a really high upside. And if if Matt Ryan can you know, as Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar did, if Matt Ryan could kind of find his way out of the void of space and time and into some sort of even mildly stable reality, I think Kyle Pitts could still be a really good player. Or if, you know, Matt Ryan is consumed by the void of space and time such that a new quarterback has to take over in Atlanta. Who knows? So my QB conundrum. Yeah. Jameis. Of the yeah. five touchdowns and zero interceptions, or Baker Mayfield against Houston, who you got? Who's Jameis playing? I don't trust Jameis. Who, who, who is the Saints opponent? Looking it up. Mm. Um, Saints, go Panthers. Ooh. Mm. So, Will, you don't trust Jameis. I'm going to uh, throw a counterpoint in here, which is that uh, I don't trust Baker Mayfield. So I'm not really sure what to make of that. The Texans, I think, are not very good. But Tyrod, Tyrod just kind of does stuff, man. He's just this like weird gamer that you know, Tyrod is on Twitch for like, you know, 18 hours a day, just doing weird gamer shit. And, and sometimes really? it works out. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, just, okay. I was trying. I was, I was doing a forced joke about the weird gamer thing that I said. I don't think Tyrod is actually on Twitch, but I do think that Tyrod just kind of finds ways to pull wins out of his ass and has done this for a long time in his career. So the Browns, the Browns are so weird and such a tricky team to deal with because when they're going, when Chubb and Odell and Jarvis and all those dudes are cooking, they have such high upside offensively. And you would think the Texans are a classic team that you would do that against, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we might have to reevaluate what we think about Jameis because that was like the best Jameis. I, there's a, there's seen. one thing that I think about Jameis that I'm not really willing to reevaluate. Yeah, uh, that's, anyway. that's fair. That's, that's completely fair. Uh, Jameis off the field, maybe, maybe not worth reevaluating. Jameis on the field, however, I mean, we'll see. Like, you know, the Sean Payton offense has been pretty good for a while now. And at the end of the day, Jameis can throw slant passes to Alvin Kamara and then Kamara can just take it to the house. So I would I would personally lean Saints and I, I would lean Jameis in this situation just because I, I really like the Saints offense. But the possibility of Jameis giving you four picks can't be denied. Thank you for your sage advice. Mm-hmm. 
So speaking of other quarterbacks, week one, the Packers got absolutely dumped on. The Rodgers implosion, man bun, interviews, etc. Packers O-line looking a little suspect. How do we feel about both Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in general in the NFC? Well, Will, you had a pretty pretty thorough analysis of what's troubling Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you want to go into that, but it seems like it's a a rough couple of months for A-Rod here. Okay, so... In my opinion, Aaron Rodgers, I would have to find it, but here's a rundown of what is going on with Aaron Rodgers' life. First of all, he gets booted from the playoff, or he wins the MVP, right? Things are great. Things are amazing. And then after that, he, you know, already his team is signed his replacement, Jordan Love, drafted him early, and he's kind of had that sitting over him for a while which and then he loses his dream job of jeopardy host to Mayim Bialik and a horrible racist <laughs> Mike Richard who and subsequently out what they're actually going to do uh for now they're going to do Ken Jennings oh okay yeah be, the bean dad almost lost that from the bean dad to the bean dad controversy yeah remember bean dad everybody <laughs> Feels like eons um, ago. It was, but it also wasn't. Ugh. But regardless, it's a question of. And, and then his his ex uh, Olivia Munn is now pregnant from John Mulaney. Dark John, Dark John, making dark, yet, yet another appearance in our lives. <laughs> yeah, Dark John, um, who I've been, uh, whose career I've been watching with great interest. Ever since he went went to rehab, he has just been uh, catching dub after dub, and uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of his work, and I'm afraid that given the uh, intense vibes coming off of Dark John, it's possible that uh, Rogers and the entire the entire offense is now a huge downgrade. Mm. Devonte, yeah, guy. The Devontae Adams haver has logged on. Yeah. The number seven it's pick. The number seven pick of this draft. Intimately connected with Rodgers and his and his fate in a way that Olivia Munn is intimately connected with the fate of Dark John. It also has to be, you know, I mean. We'll see if he busts. Yeah, we'll see if he busts. Uh, obviously, he, he didn't bust somewhere and then did bust in another place. So, yeah. Yeah. But so uh, another thing to keep in mind with Aaron Rodgers, of course, that he uh, demanded trade this off season. Adam Schefter is to be believed and uh, is pretty clearly uh, entering this season with the Packers, approaching it as if it is his last season on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Denver, uh, the Denver Zillow market, I think, is looking pretty good. Uh, I'm sure Aaron has been anxiously following what's going on and, uh, you know, just Colorado property values, things like that. But uh, it does have to be said that Aaron's heart might just not be in this season. And uh, that's worth watching. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It seems like a Rogers thing to do, kind of, to just decide to not try he kind of has that he, ha- he has the ability to just 
be a, a stubborn jackass, it would seem. And I think that, you know, it's likely, though, that he bounces back. Yeah, like, it's true. Rogers, Rogers does have a habit of coming out and whipping ass whenever he is publicly questioned and humiliated. So, yeah. Yeah, he's being doubted. And that's what he needs, I think, to, to put his heart into the season, probably. So another subject, Alex, you touched on the Chandler Jones experience uh, that the Tennessee Titans received last Sunday. Five sacks. Is Arizona, is their defense for real? Are they for real in general? I want to get your guys' opinion, and then I want to deliver mine. For sure. Uh, I will jump in as someone with recent experience against Arizona. That team sure looked real to me, brother. I think that defensive line looked ferocious, and maybe it's just that the Titans can't block, but I thought Chandler Jones was terrifying. And the thing is, Chandler Jones has been on the verge of being a true terror for a couple of years now, but we were always kind of waiting for the year that Chandler Jones really put it all together and became what I think a lot of us thought he could be. Their defense looks really solid. Obviously, you've got, uh, you know, Honey Badger, you've got all sorts of really high- Teron Matthew. Yeah, you've got got that. You've got um, Buda Baker. You've got a bunch of really high- level skill players on that defense that can make it very fast and explosive. And then, you know, I think Kyler is a baller fellows. I think he's just got, he's got the thing. He, mm-hmm. he is, he is a really, really intelligent playmaker. He knows how to improvise, but in a way that seems controlled rather than like, he's just like scrambling and trying to figure something out. He's got pretty solid pocket presence. He'll throw picks, but he gets so many yards and touchdowns that he usually negates those picks. And the Kyler-DeAndre Hopkins connection is serious. Those guys really like playing with each other. So I think the Cardinals are very much for real. And I think that, and we'll get to this later, but I think the NFC West is going to be a fucking hell division because there's a lot of talent all over that place. This also makes Mike Levenger's team look pretty scary. It's possible that that Kyler could be the number in the QB one, and Evan is Evan was crowing about uh, his DeAndre Hopkins pick that he took way too early, um, <laughs> and and acting like he should be thrilled about six receptions for 83 yards and two TDs, which he should, but like it's eight targets, you know, he's very good, but he's just eight targets against a terrible, terrible defense. So it's, it, he's, he's spiking the football after one week and it just makes me wonder why. <laughs> so um, do you believe but, well that the Cardinals are for real? I absolutely do. I think that they're a good team. I know the offense is for real for sure. But I, I guess the defense, I worry, I wonder about. The one thing I but really... you picked up the defense. Yeah, well, that was the matchup thing. Sure. Cardinals play the Vikings this week. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's, that's an interception time. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that I will jump in and say is that if there is one area to look out for with the Cardinals, it is that they still get an insane amount of penalties on very dumb shit. And that's not always a great thing to have if you are ostensibly a playoff contender, which it appears the Cardinals view themselves as. 
and in the bloodbath that is the NFC West, it's things like that that will end up mattering. So keep an eye on whether the Cardinals are able to clean up their execution uh, and avoid those penalties, because that could be the difference between some wins and losses here. So since this is ostensibly our week one overreaction segment, I want to deliver my Cardinals overreaction. Go Are you ready? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm ready. Not only do I think the Cardinals are for real, I'll go further. I think Kyler is going to win MVP this season, and the Cardinals wow. will finish. The Cardinals will finish 13 and four Oof. and win the NFC West division. They should be five and two through Week Seven. They play Tennessee Week One, Minnesota Week Two, Jaguars Week Three. Mm. At the Rams week four, that'll be tough. Home against San Francisco. At Browns, week seven, home against the Texans. That's a pretty good schedule. I think they'll be five and two through week seven. And then eight and through through their, excuse me. And then eight and three. And then eight and three through their week 12 bye. Because they play Packers week eight. At San Fran week nine. Home Carolina week 10 at Seattle week 11 and then the bye. And then I think they basically win out, except they might lose to the Rams in week 14. Otherwise, they'll run the table against Chicago, then the Rams, then Detroit, then the Colts, then Dallas, and then last Seattle. I think they could do it. I think Seattle will have their classic late season Pete Carroll swoon they'll be charging into the postseason. Now, now, the penalty thing is definitely a concern, but I'm hoping that they clean it up and that the defense continues to be fearsome. I picked them up in another league, and I'm starting them with confidence this week because of the matchup against Minnesota. Yeah, but uh, I hope to see them succeed going forward as well. That schedule that you laid out is very favorable. I do think that um, all of their divisional games are going to be pretty tight. Uh, I, I think all of these NFC West teams are pretty serious and um, I wouldn't be surprised if their divisional record is a little bit more mixed, especially with the execution and, uh, stuff. The games, are on, the games are on right now. Tua has been injured, it would appear. Oh dear. Mm. Uh, that's, so that, uh, that might, that's a bummer. That might affect uh, something we're about to get to, which is our divisional previews. Yeah. Or at least who we think. I think that's a good good way to Yeah, let's do it. So um, we have been thinking a little bit about the various divisions, about the kind of teams that we think, based off of our week one evaluation, have a good shot at winning their respective divisions. And we all have some picks uh, we are going to go with uh, for our week one division winner picks and just short explanations on why so i have mine written up but i'm happy to defer to either one of you if you would like to go first fellas what do you think nick go lead us let off, that please. bitch go first wow 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 okay so will i guess that means it's you he's gonna make me choke <laughs> no 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 he, he let that bitch go first isn't he referring to himself in that instance i have no uh, idea I don't know okay. how Nick anyway. speaks about himself like this. All right. Uh, AFC East, I think it's still going to be the Bills. I don't trust this Patriots team at all. 
I think Bill Belichick's a bad coach, and he can suck my dick. That's my that's my <laughs> professional opinion as a Patriots fan. In the NFC North, it's it's going to be a Steeler once again. I think that the Ravens look weird, man. I, I didn't like how they I didn't like how they looked in that game. Cursed uh, against the yeah, and uh, I AFC West pretty or pretty easy uh, pretty easy Chiefs here. No need to overthink it. Best team in, Javon uh, in the AFC at least. Okay. My man. Speaking of Javon Kirst, in many ways, the AFC South, Javon Kirst, former Tennessee Titan. One of the great um, ones. My favorite player growing ones. up. Yeah. Uh, AFC South, it's a wasteland, but it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. Very good team. Very good uh, in, in that they uh, will perhaps be seven and nine. And uh, that will be that will be enough. I like Carson Wentz. I like their running backs. Naheem Hines is a guy that was the main reason I didn't want Jonathan Taylor because I love Naheem Hines so much and think he's going to get a lot of work. And uh, and their defense is fine. Their team is fine, and that's going to be plenty in that division this year. And then in the NFC, I'll keep it pretty short. It's going to be the Cowboys in the East. The this is actually kind of be pr- kind of bold. The Green Bay Packers, I believe, they will take the NFC North. I think Rodgers still has it in him. Obviously, the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Buccaneers are still good. They're still fine. They'll be, you know, I don't see any any reason why they shouldn't win. And then the NFC West, I actually am going to go with a little bit of a sleeper pick here. I think it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. I like their team. I like Trey Lance. Despite the health issues. Yes. Despite the health issues, I think Shanahan's a good coach. I think that they're going to have a solid quarterback who can do stuff once they bench Garoppolo. They always have a good defense. Or, oh, actually, no, Verrett just got hurt, though. Hold on. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I'm going to still stick with him. Fuck it. I'm happy to jump in next with my picks. So I think, Will, that you're on the money. I do think the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. They didn't look great, but they didn't look abysmal either last week. And I like their upside with Diggs and Josh Allen. And I think they're they're going to rebound and scrape back in and win that thing. For the AFC North, so there's two teams that are tied atop the AFC North. And traditionally, when you look at the two teams that win in week one in the AFC North, and one of them is a young and pretty inexperienced team, and the other is a veteran stalwart, you would think that the pick is to lean with the veteran stalwart, the team that has the elite head coach, Mike Tomlin, the seasoned veteran quarterback, all of the good skill position players. But I have to say, I really liked what I saw from the Cincinnati Bengals last week. And I think if Joe Burrow is healthy, which it appears that he is, along with his boy, Jamar Chase. Those guys have got something going that is pretty serious. 29 carries for Mixon. 29 carries for Nixon? I, I yeah. like... Making Nick look good. 
I, I, I like what I saw from this Bengals team. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Ben Roethlisberger sucks and is old and bad. And I hate him. So yeah, another guy that I'm not willing to change my opinion on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's a dog shit quarterback and he's a dog shit man. And I, I think that there is a, an open door here in the North for the elder gods of the NFC North to, or the AFC North rather to be challenged by the young upstart Joe Burrow and his merry band of Bengals. So I'm actually picking Cincy to win the AFC wow. North. I, I know like it. it seems crazy, but I, I really like their offensive upside. And I think Ben Roethlisberger fucking sucks. So Bengals, AFC North. For the AFC West, Pretty standard. As long as they have Pat Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. You can just kind of pencil that in. That's that's ready. One thing I should note also, Josh Allen just threw a touchdown to Stefan Diggs, justifying my Bills pick. And then... Yeah, I mean, that means it's right. Yeah. And so we come to the AFC South, the barren wasteland of professional football, the graveyard, if you will. These teams are all bad. Every single one of them. The Jaguars and Titans both can't block. The Texans win feels like a classic week one, cheap, pulled out of their ass, not real win. And, you know, Will, you you make a point about the Colts being an average, perfectly fine team. And that's all well and good, except you fail to factor in that Carson Wentz is going to miss seven weeks when he gets COVID midway through the season because he is stubbornly refusing to get the vaccine. And he's going to infect, he is very anti-vax and he is going to infect all of his teammates. So Carson Wentz is a dumb asshole as well. Um, I think Frank Reich is probably the best coach in this division. And maybe the Colts are able to grind to the top through that. But Carson Wentz is a dumb asshole. And so I think he's going to derail their season by being a dumb asshole. We're calling out QBs this week. Yes, we are. Most of them for sexual assault. One of them for being a COVID denier. Um, um, and, and, COVID deniers, it, you didn't even mention the Ravens in the NFC North. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I think they're really beat up. I don't like that all of their running backs get hurt. And I just kind of see a lot of potential for this season to collapse on them. They didn't really address their wide receiver core in the offseason, which was arguably their biggest issue. I think their defense is good. I don't think it's great. And so I am shorting my Raven stock, even though Lamar is a generational talent. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm out on the Ravens. I think they're just really banged up. But back to the AFC South graveyard, you know, you look at all of these teams and you think about all of the things that could go wrong. And the Titans, my Titans, are not good, but they are at the very least somewhat predictable. They have a guy who, I, Derek Henry had a rough game against the Cardinals. I think he's going to bounce back when they just feed him the ball 40 possessions in a row. His yards per carry are not going to be good, but he will grind defenses down over and over again over the course of the game. And I think they will do enough to claw their way to a division title. I think they could potentially be 7-10. and 10. I think it will be the worst division in football. And I think the Titans will be summarily executed by a much better playoff opponent as soon as they get in. But I'm sticking with my guys. I like my Titans to win the AFC South, mostly because every other team is also really bad. For the NFC, you know, the NFC East is interesting. I'm ready to write off the Giants because 
Daniel Jones is not very good. Washington. I, I'm a I'm a Daniel Jones truther. You're a Daniel Jones. Wow, truther. that's fascinating to me. <laughs> Daniel Jones. I think he's. Yeah, go ahead. He's fucked up to me. <laughs> Look, here's the thing about Daniel Jones. He's like he looks incredibly stupid. <laughs> he True. can't throw. True. Um, I don't know if you were watching that Thursday night football game, but he, it's like. Joe Buck was blaming the drop on Marcus Slayton when you could have, he could have, well, <laughs> like, like you, he had 30 yards of, of, <laughs> of space. There yeah. was no need to rush the throw. He could have stood <laughs> and turned around. And Daniel Jones was like, I better lead him. It's like stupid. Just throw the ball at to him, you know? <laughs> Fake yeah. big brain. I mean, yeah. so Daniel Jones gives me a lot of the same vibes that Eli Manning gives me, gave me back in the day, but with none of the idiot savant genius that Eli Manning was able to pull out from time to time. Eli Manning, for a wide variety of reasons, is my favorite NFL quarterback ever, in large part because um, cool. I, I, I just I can't think of anybody who is able to play as poorly as Eli Manning can while still reliably being a threat to win a football game at any given moment. And Daniel Jones gives me <laughs> Eli vibes, but without any of Eli's inexplicable brilliance. <laughs> and it really is inexplicable. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Every Eli Manning win feels like it's like, it, it, it's like the game broke. It's like, somehow all of the sliders got adjusted mid-game and like anyway enough Eli Manning so back to uh the Giants though I don't trust the Giants I don't trust that they're injured and I don't trust Daniel Jones I think Washington is interesting in that they have potential to have the best defense in that division it didn't happen week one but I it think did they, not. it did not but I think they do have the potential for that and I like or week uh, two yeah yeah, that's true. They got ripped up by Daniel Jones. That's true. I, I okay. do like Heineke, uh, and I do like Scary Terry McLaurin. I think that's a good combo, but I don't really see them having enough juice to win the division. So then it's down to two teams. You've got the Cowboys with Dak and this loaded receiving core and Zeke and all of these dudes who can't get a stop to save their lives. And then you've got the upstart Philadelphia Eagles, who are 1-0, they got Jalen Hurts. They've got a bunch of young dudes, and they've got a really good offensive line. All the young dudes. All the young dudes. All the young dudes that will. All the young dudes. <laughs> will just loves all those young dudes so much. And I, I have to say, I think I liked what I saw from the offensive line for the Eagles in particular. So I am actually going to go with Philly as my NFC East pick. This is potentially. I like it. Subject to change, but their offensive line is full of just like maulers, giant dudes who push people around. And I really like that when I'm evaluating teams that can go the distance in a divisional race. In the NFC North, nobody is going to win the NFC North because all of the teams are bad if Aaron Rodgers <laughs> decides that he is actually just going to spend the season brushing up on Jeopardy questions and looking at condos in Denver. Oh, man, I don't fucking know. These teams are not good. Kirk Cousins is a dumbass. I think the reality is that if the Bears 
are not cowards and actually attempt to start Justin Fields that they could win this division. And so I guess I will scribble them in the lightest pencil possible, but it relies on Matt Nagy uh, not being a coward. And so far he's shown that he's full of cowardice and fear. So lightly scribbling in the bears for my NFC North title. I just, I think Rogers is completely out on this season and the Packers generally. From your lips to God's ears on Justin Fields, man. Yeah, we'll see. I like Justin Fields. In I hope NFC, so. I have him. Yeah. In the NFC South, I mean, the immortal man, the man who defies time and space will once again carry the Bucks to a division title. I don't know how he keeps doing it. I don't know what weird occult blood drinking thing Tom Cruise and Tom Brady are both doing, but they apparently will never die. And so they're just going to keep doing this until the end of time. So the Bucks are going to win the NFC South. The NFC West is the hardest division to predict in football. I think everybody and anybody could win this division. And it really comes down to who's going to be healthy at the end more than anything. And as such, given the health concerns, I am not sure I can in good faith take San Francisco yet. The penalties thing does worry me a little bit about Arizona, even though I do think that Kyler is a baller's baller. And that leaves the Rams, who at some times look like they are the best. They looked really good last week, and Stafford is cooking right now. But the problem with Matt Stafford is that um, Matt Stafford only has a limited amount of hits that he can take before his body falls apart. And so I am a little worried about that. So when I look at all of these teams... You know, Russell Wilson just keeps on doing his Russell Wilson thing. He just, like much like Jeff Goldblum said, life find, uh, finds a way. Russell Wilson uh, also <laughs> finds a way. And so I am going to go with the Seattle Seahawks as my NFC West champion. I think it will be one through blood and iron and a whole lot of war. But uh, I just trust Russell more than I trust anybody else in that division. And I think the Russell DK thing is real. So I'm going with September's very own Russell Wilson. There you go. Nick? That's me disagreeing. Wow. (laughs) Well, you two have covered your picks quite thoroughly. And I think there's not too much for me to add other than my own particular slant. I am a Bills believer as well. I think they have more talent than the Patriots and that it's hard to win a division with a rookie quarterback. So you'll really have to show me something before I believe fully in Mac Jones. He had a a, a pretty good game, but uh, was it good enough? I'm not sure. AFC West, I think that's pretty clearly the Chiefs. Not much to say there. AFC North, I'm still going with the Steelers. Their defense is strong. They have a lot of talent at the skill positions. And DJ looked insane. Yes, truly game-altering defense. And they've already forced a fumble in uh, this week's game. And as you were saying that, I just pulled up a GIF on Twitter of Najee Harris uh, stiff-arming a poor linebacker into the void uh, that we mentioned earlier, the void of time and space. So that's worth go. considering. AFC South, I'm also going to give it up to your boys' Titans. I think they'll write the ship and the the whole division is bad. I'm not a Colts believer. I wish Michael Pittman was a better player. I'm not sure he's actually that good at football. That's my spice for the AFC South. Wow. Uh, Shout out to Dune. NFC East, I'm also an Eagles guy. Say again. 
I said the spice must flow. <laughs> it's from Dune. That's right. NFC West. I already dropped my Cardinals hog on you guys. I think they're going to take the, the the division, even though it is an incredibly competitive uh, sphere. NFC North, Packers by default. I think Rodgers has talent and vindictiveness, and uh, I need them to do well. Otherwise, my team's kind of screwed. So I'm rooting for that. NFC South, I, I like the Saints. You know, they really showed the COVID a lot team. in week one. Yeah, the COVID team, that's true. But... They showed a lot in week one, and I'm not sure the Bucks defense is going to be up to snuff this year, but that may be wishful thinking on my part. That's going to be a pretty, pretty tough one to call for me. But those are my division picks. And, it seems uh, remarkably easy for me to just pick the Bucks. They looked so good. Yeah, more maybe them. I'm a dumbass to pick the Saints. I just thought that they but no, it's fun. really clean. I like the, I like, I, I, now I tell like, me I'm scum. I like, <laughs> okay. I don't want to get involved in like your sexual fantasies, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll take a green check on that one. I just hey, it's see... time for the fantasy game of the week. Yeah, that's true. It is yeah. time for the fantasy game of the week. Um, we have a couple of candidates for the fantasy game of the week. I think for me, the one that pretty clearly comes out on top is that we've got a blood feud going on in these rankings. Obviously, <laughs> you know, there's a lot uh, at stake here. Honor at the family barbecues to come, you know, rights to GameCube controllers and things like that. There's a lot that could potentially happen here. So I do think we have who to gets about... congratulated by a gorilla. Yeah, that's a bit that's a big one. So uh, I do think we have to talk about the Levenger blood feud as uh, the fantasy game of the week. Will, do you want to go into this one? Well, look, man, I have two younger brothers, both of whom I love very much. And it just so happens that this week we are seeing them face off against each other. Now, it seems like it, Michael led the league uh, in points last week, mostly on the back of Kyler Murray. But Josh is starting this off with a 25-point performance from Terry McLaurin, which uh, is having the uh, notoriously... Um, accurate sleeper percentage marker is saying that he has a 67% chance already to win. Now, Michael's going to need, unfortunately for Michael, Jarvis Landry is already in the locker room with an injury. Oh, no. But, you know, he's got, he's got Miles Sanders. He's got Alvin. I think that this week I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards a Josh Levenger here, but I've been wrong before. I think it's going to be close, but I think the the big week for McLaurin might put it over the top for for Josh. Big moves, big moves from the Josh man. Twenty five is a lot. Yeah. Um, a couple of other notable games, Nick. First off, do you agree that that is the game of the week? The number one game of the week. Well, we also have to think about Coltrane da, 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 against DK Main, our fellow host That's here, me. Alex. This is also a very competitive matchup. Right now it's slanting 57% DK main. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at this matchup now. It's interesting. Uh, obviously, we all said that Michael Pittman was bad. So, of course, he has 10 points on the bench. Uh, that's great. Um, 
That being said, you know, I feel okay about my decision to start Tyler Boyd in my flex slot. I think he's going to be getting a lot of slot receiver targets and he already has four. McCaffrey is doing McCaffrey things. He's just going to be constant factor in this offense. And so, so far it's leaning my way, but uh, as you both said, it's going to be close. I don't think it's a guarantee that either of us win this game. I am living in mortal fear of Tyreek Hill, who is... Well, he's one of the fantasy greats, and uh, I need Kyle Pitts to be better. And uh, and an equally good guy. Yes, right. <laughs> you should um, also fear TJ Hawkinson. I should. Yeah, that's right. I, I should fear TJ Hawkinson. The one thing I will say is that I don't really fear Jared Goff, who has to throw the ball <laughs> to TJ Hawkinson. So um, We've got, it's interesting. Both of our tight ends are very high upside players with bad quarterbacks. So we've got an interesting matchup there. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Christian McCaffrey is in the red zone right now. I would, I would very much like him to come out with a touchdown. That would put my mind a little more at ease for this matchup. And speaking of that, it, yeah, we're, we're now virtually tied. So if anybody's game. We also have the number two ranked team, NFC Gets South, facing off against husband lady, Nick V. Ari John Levenger. And this one is tilting my way, fortunately, but this has some implications for the top of the standings. Obviously, I'm biased, but I am tracking this one closely. As you should be. So those are our three game of the week candidates. We'll see which one ends up actually being the game of the week. I am leaning towards the Levenger blood feud, but we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. Maybe on next episode. Lastly, we should talk about, and I kind of alluded to this, the woes of who do I start, which is always a challenge. So in this situation, I'll go first and say that my starting lineup is a little bit in flux. Last week, Brandon Ike gave me a big fat zero from my flex position, which certainly impacted final results of my first matchup in which I lost. So I've decided that- uh, until- Nick, Nick, I'm so sorry to interrupt. What? Andy Dalton limping on the sideline. Oh, baby. Wow. Justin Fields is in. That's potentially big news. For a lot of players. Yeah. Big for Allen Robinson. Possibly big for Cole Komet, who I believe is on the waiver wire right now. A-Rob has a TD. Mm -hmm. But sorry, get back to what you were talking about there. Just that I need to, I need Brandon and I to be healthy before I'm ready to start him again. So um, it's, it's kind of unclear whether it's a health thing or it's Kyle or Shanahan is being thing. an asshole again. Yeah, like, it's, I, I mean, I think it's a mix of both. It's definitely possible that it's just Kyle being an asshole. How much do you think NFL coaches actively uh, and players actively like hate or at least disdain fantasy? I think they all hate it a ton. I think they think it's stupid, personally. <laughs> yeah. I think they think, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I just feel like I think they would think it's weird nerd behavior, which it is. <laughs> that's but our I, lane. Yeah, that's our lane. Uh, just to wrap this up, I, I faded Ike for Tyler Boyd. Uh, I was torn between him and Michael Pittman, but ultimately I decided to go with Boyd. He seemed like the safer, safer option. Of course, Pittman is now playing yeah. better than Boyd. But uh, we'll see. I, that, aside from that, honestly, my starting lineup is fairly locked. I probably should look into getting a better running back uh, for my second RB just to have or for my flex slot. But like, 
I can't bench McCaffrey. I can't bench Metcalf. I can't bench AJ Brown, any of those guys. So, all right. Well, I think that now is the time if we want to do it to, uh, to get into some more Montana stories. Any other starting sitting decisions we want to cover before that? We can go to Montana if we want. I start sit agonization is Kenyon Drake, Jamal Williams, or Mike Davis. And I have chosen Jamal Williams. Currently, Kenyon Drake has more points on my bench. We shall see how that pans out for me. I am dubious that I'm capable of making the right choice. Will, any start-sit decision for you? So, it all felt okay. I actually ran this by you guys a little earlier. I was having a tough time choosing between Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. And uh, also, to a lesser extent, Matt Stafford versus Jalen Hurts. I decided to go with the stack there and just start Hurts and uh, and Devonta Smith because mm. it gave a higher possibility of the maximum amount of points. Eagles, opposite of yeah. fade. Classic Eagles stack. Um, it's an Eagles buy. All right, Nick. Uh, let's get into some more Montana stories to close this episode out, and then I am actually going to attempt to do something productive with my life. <laughs> So good luck. We had a terrific time. We drove through Yellowstone. We saw all the major sites. We saw bears. We saw wolves. We saw elk. We may have even seen a moose. We saw a fox. We got great photos that I'm going to share. We may have. We, you know, they're in a dense wooded area. It's tough to see as you're driving by, but we saw a large creature in the woods at the edge of Lamar Valley, which is the most common place that you might actually spot a moose, according to people in the know. So we are hoping and half counting that we saw a moose. We got some great souvenirs that I will show off in the chat, mugs, hats, placemats. Anyway, one thing, we got so many souvenirs that my suitcase swelled and became a little bit too large of a carry-on. So we're flying back We started in Missoula, Montana. We drove all the way to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we flew direct back to JFK to get home. And they're calling over and over at the gate saying, if you want a gate check, please come up right now and you can gate check because we have a full flight today. Blah, blah, blah. They do it 10 times. Maybe six or seven people bring their bags up. I'm trying to rearrange things, making the bags smaller. Anyway, I get called with my zone. I'm zone six. They say zones eight and nine are going to be the mandatory checked bag situation. So I think, you know, hopefully I'm okay. I'm going through. It's me, Sarah, and exclusively retirees with white hair and absolutely nothing on the agenda except to complain to American Airlines if they get inconvenienced in any way. I'm rolling my bag through. They're scanning my boarding pass. I see the gate attendants lock eyes and say, fuck this kid. And they say, sir, would you like to gate check this bag? And I said, not if I could avoid it, please. They make me put it into the bag sizer. And she says, see the way that you're shoving it down there? Yeah, we're going to need you to gate check that. (laughs) So that was... uh, that was uh, the rude ending to our uh, Montana trip. But fortunately, we got back with everything that we uh, started the trip with. And even the mugs that we brought back did not break, despite being thrown into the cargo hole. 
Nice. Um, I kind of like checking my bag at the gate. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, I hate it so much. I just worry about the integrity of the stuff. And I've had a bag lost before. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, that sucks. As Nick was uh, wrapping up the Montana story, another update. It appears to be a day of quarterback crisis. Lots of dudes are getting hurt. So obviously Andy Dalton and Tua both got injured earlier in the pod. And now Baker Mayfield is reportedly out with an injury. Something to keep an eye on. It's not great. Uh, Additionally, in terms of quarterback crisis, uh, I must inform you both that Carson Wentz is, in fact, extremely bad at football. The Colts were on the zero yard line with a chance to score, and Carson Wentz threw a shovel pass that was intercepted immediately. Getting a shovel pass intercepted is tough. Maybe maybe want to reevaluate that Colts pick there. Well, we'll see. (laughs) I like it. I'm still down. All right. Fair enough. You can't scare me. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your Montana trip stories, Nick. That was fascinating and covered a lot of ground. Uh, One highlight that I had from Nick's Montana trip is when Sarah sent a text to my lovely partner uh, and girlfriend, Belle, uh, complaining once again about a now three-year-old issue, which is that Nick and I did not take very good care of our bath mats uh, when we (laughs) lived together at 92 Harriet Street. Sarah made a funny joke to that effect, uh, and then Belle mocked and humiliated me, which is, I love you, honey. You're the best. Um, Anything to plug before we leave? I would like to plug the uh, concept of charity care. (laughs) We shouldn't laugh at Um, this, but we always do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Nick, you actually know a little bit about charity care, but I just wanted to, so you could maybe on it for a moment but i just wanted to say that i'm the one that's actually plugging it yeah you're a really good guy thanks for bringing it up that's mm-hmm. the main reason to bring it up i think is to emphasize how good of a guy you are federal and yeah. state law requires that hospitals provide certain types of care for free or at a reduced cost if you cannot afford to pay for the medical treatment yourself charity care covers medically necessary treatments which includes inpatient hospital stays and emergency room visits so give it a google or inquire into the concept yourself if you or anyone you know is dealing with medical bills. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad I plugged that then. Yeah, you're a great guy. Important. I I'm now going to be a bad guy and exclusively plug self-promotion things. If you like talking about the Boston Celtics or listening to the things about the Boston Celtics or just generally consuming Boston Celtics media, uh, I'm on another podcast. It's called The Celtics Lab. We release episodes weekly. This week we're going to be talking. We're, we're the club. It's good. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about how Marcus Smart absolutely body bagged me on Twitter and why I deserved it. It was cool. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, tune in to that on all streaming services: Apple, Spotify, you name it. C Lab, Clab, Quibi, Clab Game. Yeah, I, is it? I don't even know if it's on Quibi. Um, but yeah, it's a good pod. And then if you live in the Boston area, which I'm hoping that a good percentage of the people listening to this do live in the Boston area because that would mean that you took our advice and the only people listening to this are people involved with this league. If you live in the Boston area, you may know about a band. It's called Divine Sweater, in which I play the bass. And Divine Sweater has an absurd slate of shows coming up in the next two months or so, starting off with this Friday night at the Once Ballroom outdoor venue. It's a great bill playing with Daisy Bones and Walter, et cetera, who are both excellent. And it's going to be 
a really good, fun time where everybody is going to be masked up and safe and enjoy live music together, which is something that has not happened for a while. So if you want to do that, buy a ticket. Um, there's a ton of links in my Twitter bio, uh, which you can follow me at. And uh, it's designer smarf, designer underscore smarf, S-M-A-R-F. But yeah, if you want to see Divine Sweater live, we've got a really killer set list coming up this Friday. So check it out. Follow at max underscore vertical for pod links and updates. All right. That's it from me. Well, thank folks. you, everybody. Have yeah. a wonderful week. And, um, Bye. and uh, yeah. Bye. Yeah, it's actually good. Catch you later. It's actually good. It's actually good. <laughs>